Well, welcome everybody again. Glad you're here. Uh, everybody who's worshiping with us at home, we're glad to have you with us. So glad that, um, that we were able to celebrate Cody's baptism today. I love the light illustration at the end. Uh, it was really uh, just cool to see all the different ways that the Lord has just connected people and, and the good news of Jesus to your life, Cody. And what a joy for us to get to celebrate with you. Thank you. We love you. Today, we're going to continue in John 8, and, uh, and just as we start talking about the freedom that Jesus longs to give us, I want to talk just for, just for a couple minutes about gifts. I want to talk about gifts. You know, it's crazy, but Christmas is like less than seven weeks away, less than two months out until Christmas, and so some of you may already be thinking about gifts, gifts that you're excited to give this year maybe gifts that you're hoping to get this year. How many of you love giving gifts? Raise your hand if you love giving gifts, okay? Figured we'd get a lot of hands up. How many of you love getting gifts? I do. <laughs> That's that one where you're kind of like, should I put my hand up? Should I? I mean, but hey, we love getting gifts. Here's what's really, here's what's just a joy. When you have someone in your life who's a really thoughtful gift giver, who thinks hard about giving a special gift to you that's going to be a real blessing to you. Um, one of my friends, Sean Taylor, is an incredibly thoughtful gift giver. And over the years of our friendship, particularly for, for my birthday, Sean has given me a number of really thoughtful gifts. One of my favorites is a money clip that he gave me a few years ago. And for years, I had used one of these little guys as my money clip. I just had this mangle of credit cards and maybe sometimes some cash and business cards just kind of jammed in one of these things. And I, I use this because I don't like having things in my pockets. And so like having a big fat wallet or having like something jammed, I just, so I use this little thing to keep it simple. Well, Sean recognized that. And then one year for my birthday, he gave me this money clip. And it's cool, like you can put cards in it, it's got this little thing that if you pull it up, like it pulls out your cards, which is super cool. But it's small, it fits in my pocket, and I love it. Just a really thoughtful gift. Thoughtful, helpful, really good. And that's, that's like the power of good gifts, right? They become blessings in our life. Well, Jesus is the greatest gift giver. And he offers us incredible gifts in himself for us as his people. Like he offers us joy, eternal joy in him. He offers us hope that looks out into the future and sees our future, no matter what's going on in our present, as being incredibly bright because of Jesus. He offers us peace. Like no matter what chaos or no matter what trial or trouble we're in, Jesus offers us his perfect peace. And Cody named it in his baptism video that the best gift Jesus gives us is the gift of himself. Like when we receive Jesus in faith, we get Jesus. He gives himself to us as a gift. Well, one of, the, one of the best gifts that Jesus gives us in himself is the gift of freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The freedom that Jesus offers us. Spiritual freedom. The freedom to really live in this abundant life of joy and hope and peace that Jesus promises us. So, Let's look together at John chapter 8. If I were going to summarize this, our verses from today in a, in a simple sentence, here's what it would be. It's up on the screens. 
experiencing true freedom in Christ. And each of those words is important, experiencing it, like really having it happen in our life day in and day out, experiencing it, true, like not counterfeit, not like pseudo-freedom, but true freedom in Christ requires trusting and obeying the whole truth of Christ and his word. True freedom in Christ. And the experience of that freedom in our lives requires trusting. We trust him. We, we trust his words. Obeying. We hear what he says and we do what he says through his word. Guys, Jesus offers us true freedom. Freedom to live an abundant life of true joy, peace, and hope. But here's the reality. Many of us are not experiencing that true freedom, at least not the way Jesus offers it to us. So what we're going to talk about today is three keys to experiencing true freedom in our lives. Three keys to experiencing the true freedom that Jesus offers us as his people. So here we go. Let's get into it. Number one, true freedom means abiding in Christ and his word. True freedom means abiding in Christ and his word. Look with me at verses 31 and 32. Verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, just a quick reminder of the context. John 8 um, is, is a chapter where, where Jesus is at a feast teaching a group of um, people about who he is and why he came. And as he's teaching about who he is at this celebration, at this festival, it says in, in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So as Jesus is talking about who he is and why he came to this group of people who were at this this celebration, this festival. Some of the people who were there believed him. Others did not. Some of them rejected what Jesus was saying, but some, it appears, received what Jesus was saying. They believed him. Now, Jesus sees this. He recognizes that some people are receiving what he's teaching, and so he goes on to clarify what it really means to be one of his disciples. And the big question that we, I think we all need to ask today is, what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus? What does it really mean to be one of his followers? And, and how are we going to experience the freedom that he promises to his disciples? Well, in verse 31, Jesus answers that question. Jesus says in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, then you are truly one of my followers. Jesus says that abiding in his word marks a true disciple, which begs another question, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide in Jesus and his word? Well, one way to think about abiding is continuing, remaining, staying with something. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if we're a true disciple, then we're going to hear his teaching, 
over and over and over again. In the Word, we're going to read it. We're going to hear from Him over and over again. We're going to hear what He says and we're going to do what He says. We're going to remain in His Word. We're going to hear what He says. We're going to respond to what He says by doing what He says. Day in, day out, week by week, for years, for decades, for life. Being a true disciple means hearing Jesus' words and obeying Jesus' words. And Jesus promises that we, as we hear his word and do what he says, that's abiding. And by abiding, we're going to experience freedom. That the true freedom that he promises comes through abiding in his word. I think many of us live our life with Jesus kind of like running a 100-meter dash. And what I mean by that is like we, we read something in his word or we hear a teaching about something Jesus said and we get really excited for, for just a few moments. We get excited and then we're like, okay, I'm going to run hard with Jesus and then we get after it for just a short period of time and then we quit. It's like we just sprint after Jesus for a little while and then it's like, I'm tired, I'm, I'm just, I'm, this isn't worth it, I'm done. But what Jesus is calling us into is more like a marathon, not a sprint. A life of abiding in his word. A lifetime of hearing what he says and doing what he says as his people. A pastor named Eugene Peterson described discipleship like this. Listen to this. He says, being a disciple of Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience where we're hearing what Jesus says, doing what Jesus says, following him in the direction he leads for a lifetime. A long obedience in the same direction. Now, I want to just make this connection for us because Jesus says that when we live that kind of life with him, that's where freedom comes. That true freedom, Jesus says in verse 31, actually comes through abiding in his word. Look at 31 and 32 again. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now verse 32, and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's this connection between abiding in the word, hearing and obeying, knowing the truth, and then that truth leading to freedom in our life. I think many people, including many Christians, tend to think about following Jesus being kind of like this joyless, dutiful misery. And when we think about things like hearing and obeying, we think about like this restrictive kind of life that's going to actually keep us from joy. Like if I just follow Jesus and obey what he says, I'm not going to have joy in my life. That's the lie that we're tempted to believe. That true freedom comes away from Jesus, away from what he's saying. But what Jesus is saying is the opposite. He's saying, no, what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you about life and what it means to to follow me, this is where real joy comes. This is where real freedom is at. A number of years ago, this is really interesting. A number of years ago, there was a study done where a group of children, elementary age children, were taken to this open field where out in the middle of the field, this really nice playground was built. And the kids were taken there and they were allowed to get off this bus and go to the playground. And so they got off the bus and they they went to the playground and they kind of stayed on the playground and kind of used the playground equipment but they never really got far away from the equipment. Well, then sometime later, a different group of children 
were brought to the same field with the same park in the middle. But this time there was an eight-foot fence around the field. And you know what happened? Like the kids, instead of like playing on the playground, you know what they did? They, they felt the freedom to explore and run around and get outside. And like they chased each other around. They didn't hardly play on the equipment at all. The only thing that was different was the fence. And I think what the study reveals is, is like this illustration of what Jesus is saying here. That the boundaries, the fences, the edges of what he says in his word are really what is best for us and really the way that we're going to experience true freedom in our life. We're not going to experience true freedom outside the edges of God's word. We're going to find freedom within the boundaries of what God says is best for us. That's where we're really going to experience joy. That's where we're really going to experience freedom. See, we believe the lie that says freedom is I do whatever I want, wherever I want, whenever I want, however I want, to whoever I want. That is not real freedom. That's counterfeit freedom because in reality, when it's when it's just me doing what I want, when I want, to who I want, however I want, I'm actually not free. I'm, I'm like a slave to my own desires. I'm not truly free. I'm actually a slave to my selfishness because it's just all about what I want. And Jesus is going to talk about this in a minute, but for now, let me just say this. True freedom comes when we abide in the word of Jesus, when we hear what he says, do what he says, loving our neighbor, forgiving those who hurt us, honoring our parents, remaining faithful to our husband and wife for life, refusing to be controlled by any addiction in the power of the Spirit. These truths bring freedom. These truths are like like edges that create this fence for us to live in relationship with Jesus in a way that's good for us and glorifying to him. Let me just summarize it like this. It's on the screens. Abiding in the word, hearing what Jesus says, doing what Jesus says leads to knowing the truth. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the truth about life. And this is how we're set free. This is how we're really set free. Now what's interesting is that in the crowd that day, as Jesus is talking about this kind of freedom, it it becomes clear that, that the people who who are hearing what he's saying, they don't totally understand what he's saying. They don't totally grasp what he means. And so we need to understand the second key. Here's what it is. True freedom means believing and embracing the truth about ourselves as sinners in need of God's grace. It's not just abiding in the word. It's also believing and embracing truth about ourselves. Look at, verses, look at verse 33 first. Verse 33, it says, they answered him. So they hear Jesus say this. They say, they say Jesus says, hey, Here's where true freedom comes. Abiding in my word, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. The people in the crowd say, wait a second, Jesus. We're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? In their minds, they were free. They had this great religious heritage. They participated in all these religious traditions. They weren't spiritual slaves. Jesus is going to tell them that this this isn't where true freedom is found. It's not found in, in our heritage. It's not found in our religious tradition. It's not found in us thinking, believing that we're right and we know what is what is best for us. In verse 34, Jesus gets right to the issue. 
Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Those people in the crowd, they they didn't see that they were truly slaves because they looked to their heritage, to their tradition. But Jesus says that, that if you sin, if you practice sin in your life, then you're actually a slave to sin. You are enslaved by sin. And here Jesus is is making a really important distinction between like the way we tend to think about sin and the way that, that God really teaches us what sin is in his word. Here's the distinction. We tend to think that sin is just like stuff we do. Like it's just activity in our life. We just practice sinful things. And we tend to think of ourselves being like, I'm a pretty good person who sins sometimes. But Jesus just goes way down deep and he says, listen, it's not just the activity of sin that's the problem. It's your identity as a sinner. Like he moves from activity to identity. And he's saying that that anyone who sins is actually a slave to sin. That it's more than just the practice of sin. It's the presence of sin deep in your heart. It's your identity as a sinner. I think many of us, when, when we think about sin in our life, we, we do these, one of these three things. Number one, we minimize it. It's like we go, yeah, but like I'm not murdering anybody, <laughs> right? I'm not like, you know, out like stealing cars or, or, you know, like doing something really horrific. So, I mean, I'm not that bad. Or here's another thing we do. We compare. Yeah, I might kind of struggle with this, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or what's his name? I mean, he's really bad. Or we self-justify, right? It's like we say, yeah, I did this, but God, you didn't do this other thing that I wanted, so I deserve to do that. We minimize, we compare, we justify. And the reality is we're not experiencing true freedom in our life because we're not being honest about our sin. We're not being honest about our identity as sinners in need of a Savior. Some of us just try to take care of that sin through performance. It's like we say, okay, I'm going to like show God and everybody else how good I am, that I'm not really a sinner. And so we kind of create this treadmill in our life of performance, religious performance, and it's just exhausting. Others of us just kind of say, you know what, I'm just going to like continue to turn away from God. And the reality is you're just a, you're a slave. You're a slave to sin. Jesus says that freedom comes when we believe and embrace the truth about ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. A guy named Jack Miller said it like this one time. Listen to this. It's up on the screen. Jack Miller said, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. He's like, just just quit trying to pretend like you're not. You're worse than you could ever imagine. But listen to this. You're more loved than you ever dared hope. There's a lot of freedom there. There's a lot of freedom there because when I'm honest about my sin, I stop pretending. I I get off the treadmill. I stop trying to like show God and others how good I am. And I I get off that exhausting treadmill of self-righteous performance. And I also realize like I don't need to keep running away from God because there's a God who loves me so deeply. I can run to him. And this is where freedom comes. 
as we're honest about the reality that we are sinners who need a Savior. We're not just good people who sin sometimes. We're people who, apart from the grace of God, are dead in sin, bent towards sin, turned away from God. We need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. And he offers us true freedom. And the last thing Jesus says in this passage might be the biggest key of all. Here's what it is. True freedom comes as we accept our acceptance as God's children. As we accept our acceptance as God's children, rejoicing in our spiritual adoption through Christ. Because the good news of Jesus is, even though we are we're more sinful than we ever dared imagine. We put our trust in Jesus. We're welcomed into God's family, and we are more dearly loved than we could ever hope. And that's the great news of the gospel. Look at what Jesus says, verses 35 and 36. Jesus says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here Jesus is setting up this distinction between people who believe the lie that they don't need a Savior, they, they can save themselves, they, their sin is not that big a deal, or they can take care of their own sin problem with their own behavior. Jesus says, if that's the way you're living, you're a slave. You're a slave to your sin. And you're not living with true freedom, but Jesus says there's another way to be. You can be adopted into the family of God through faith in me, Jesus says, and you'll become a son or a daughter of God. And listen to this. I read this this morning. I thought this was so good. No one can have God as their father. No one can have God as their father if they won't have his son as their savior. Do you get that? No one can truly have God as their father if they don't first receive God's son as their savior. But when we receive Jesus as the savior, he sets us free and we're welcomed into God's family as his adopted sons and daughters. That's our identity now. Not orphans, not slaves, sons and daughters. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 8. It's up on the screen. It says, So then, brothers, sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's being a slave. A slave to sin leads to death. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live by the power of the Spirit, abiding in Jesus and His Word. That's where life comes. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that word Abba there. It's an old word that's kind of like the way we would maybe say like daddy or like a real affectionate term for a father. Like the most affectionate, I love you and I know your love for me kind of term for a dad. Because of the Spirit's presence in our life and the freedom we have in Jesus, we can cry out to the Father like that. Now, how does living in that identity, accepting that acceptance... Like, change us. Like, what's the impact in our life? Well, let me share a few things. Number one, takes the pressure off. Takes the pressure off, because i got nothing left to prove. Like, Jesus has done all the work for me to be set free. When I trust in him, I get all the credit as if I had done that work. I don't have to prove myself to God. I don't have to prove myself to others. 
I am an adopted son of God. And that takes all the pressure off. Number two, I'm really freed up to repent of my sin. Because I've been welcomed by a father who loves me. Who's never going to forsake me. Who's never going to kick me out of the family. No, he spent everything to purchase me as his adopted son. He sent his son to die for me so I could become his son. He's not going to give up on me. He gave up his son so I could become his son. He's not going to give up on me. He's not going to give up on you. And because I know that, I'm really freed up to be honest about my sin and repent. And I can forgive other people. Number three, it helps me see other people with compassion and grace. Other people are sinners just like I'm a sinner. Other people are, are sinners who need the grace of God to, to rescue them from sin, to welcome them into God's family. And that just puts me in a place of compassion, not judgment. I'm really freed up to look at others with kindness and compassion, even when they sin against me. And that doesn't mean I don't name sin for what it is. That doesn't mean I just let people walk all over me and abuse me. But it means I get out of this self-righteous, critical, judgmental place that we so often live in, and instead I can look at others and want their best in Jesus. I'm freed up for that when I accept my acceptance as a son of God. I don't have to pretend I have it all together. I can admit my weaknesses and my worst sins, and I can help others to ask me, I can ask others to help me and to pray for me. I've got three statements I'm going to put up on the screen. And these three statements are just my attempt to articulate who we are in Jesus as adopted sons and daughters. Let me read these to you. Just hear these. These are truths that lead to freedom. First, because I've given my life to Jesus, I have been fully adopted and graciously welcomed into God's family, and there's nothing left to prove. That statement brings freedom. Next, Jesus has done all the work for my salvation. And when I trusted him, I received all the credit. That's crazy, huh? I mean, imagine this. Somebody else goes to your job for you, works all day long, and you get paid for their work. Isn't that nuts? That's the gospel. On the cross, Jesus did all the work. When we trust him, we get all the credit as if we had died there. His perfect life. I didn't live a perfect life. You didn't live a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. When we trust him, we get credit as if we had lived it. There's freedom there. Number three, now I am loved with the same love that the Father loves his Son. And his love in me frees me to love God and others like Jesus loved me. Like we're united with Jesus when we trust him in this amazing way. And now as sons and daughters of God, we are loved with the same love that the Father loves Jesus, his son. That is so freeing. There's so much freedom there, Calvary. To be loved with the same love that the Father loves the Son just frees us up in our life to love others with that same love as the Spirit works in us. Now, I don't know where every one of you are this morning, but my guess is there are some of you who are here right now who are living in a kind of slavery to sin that looks like continuing to go to dirty, unsatisfying, 
poisonous water sources looking for your soul to be satisfied. And Jesus is saying, you're never going to be satisfied there. You're never going to be free there. That's, that's, the, that's the pool of slavery. Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll give you clean, fresh, living water for life. I'll set you free. If that's where you are today, I want to encourage you just to go to Jesus and to receive him as the one who sets you free and to ask him to lead you further and further into freedom in him. There are others of you who are here today who I think, and those watching online, who are experiencing a different kind of slavery. Your your slavery is the slavery of self-righteousness. Continually believing the lie that says you've got to be good enough, you've got to be strong enough, you've got to show other people and God that you're worthy. And if that's you, Jesus is saying, just come to me and find freedom. Get off the treadmill. Come to me and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Following me is the way to freedom. Wherever you are this morning, here's what we all need to know. Only Jesus can set us free. Only Jesus can set us free from spiritual bondage. Only Jesus can set us free into spiritual joy. For this is true. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Truly free. Free now from the penalty of sin. No longer separated from God. No longer headed towards an eternal separation from God. Freed. Fully freed from the penalty of sin. Right now, because of the Spirit in you, you are being freed from the power of sin over you. You now have the Spirit of God inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now powering your life of obedience. Freed from sin's penalty, being freed from sin's power, and one day, Calvary, check this out. One day we will all be free. If we are in Christ, if He's in us, if we're His people, one day we will be freed from the presence of sin forever. No more sin. No more sin. For today... Jesus is saying, come to me. Abide in me, abide in my word. Then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that through your life and your death and your resurrection, you have done all the work needed to free us from slavery to sin, and to welcome us into your family as your brothers and sisters. We are welcomed as sons and daughters of the Father. We are welcomed as as a space in which the Spirit will live, people in whom the Spirit will live. Jesus, I pray right now that for each one who's gathered here today, for those who who are watching with us at home, that through the Spirit's work, you would lead us into freedom. The freedom to trust you in faith. To just be honest with you and with ourselves and with others about our sin. To be honest about our slavery. Lead us, Holy Spirit, to be honest about our need for a Savior. To open up our hearts and trust Jesus in faith. His life, his death, his resurrection. Help us to trust in Jesus. And help us, Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus.
to walk with him in faith, obeying what he has said is what is best for us in our lives. To just live joyfully within the boundaries of what you've said in your word is best for us. To live there with great joy as we love you and love others. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom that you give us. The freedom that you provided through your life and your death on our behalf. The freedom that is powered in us through your resurrection. We pray all these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.